It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, baby? Ça va? Ça va bien. Et toi, ça va? Uh, ça va bien, ça va bien. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 686 of Locked on Raptors for Saturday, March the 21st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of Raptors.com for the month of March. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you are checking out the entirety of the Locked on Podcast Network. We've got tons of great stuff for you across the board. The NFL offseason is like Power, powering through in a very unsettling kind of way where it just seems like nothing matters to the NFL right now. Uh, but either way, the, the Locked On shows are covering all of that busy NFL offseason action, so please make sure you're subscribing to the shows covering the teams that you are most interested in, whether you're a Tampa Bay Bucks fan and you're excited about Tom Brady. I don't know why you'd be excited about Tom Brady, but, you know, to each their own, I suppose. Um, but we've got the Bucks show, we've got Locked On Titans, Locked On Packers, literally every team is covered, so go and check it out as the NFL rolls on. Uh, on the NHL, MLB, NBA sides, we're still going strong with daily stuff as well. Uh, you know, history, historical deep dives, you got some themed content coming up across the network as well, so please make sure you're subscribing to rating and reviewing the shows that you want to support. It would very much mean a lot to us right now as we go through some stuff, and uh, thanks in advance for uh, taking the time. All right, on today's show, it is Saturday. I came in on a Saturday, made the commute from my uh, kitchen to my living room, and uh, there's a big reason for it. Part two of the bracket of the best individual performances in Raptors history is hitting Raptors.com this afternoon. By the time you're hearing this, it's already up, so go read it, make your votes, uh, and see who gets into the Elite Eight. Um, And so I wanted to talk about what my picks were going to be before the voting closes on Sunday. So, alas, we are here on a weekend with a weekend episode. And joining me as I bask in my living room in a sunbeam and drink a coffee and uh, recover from the night before, I'm joined by Vivek Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Nothing much, man. Just uh, got some cereal in me, got Mm. some water, ready to go Saturday morning, starting off the weekend with you. Can't ask for more. Yeah, so it's, it. it's certainly one way you can spend your mornings. I appreciate you doing it, but I also don't envy you. Uh, <laughs> so it's probably best to start by running through the winners from the first round of the bracket, the round of 32, uh, and I'll just list off the, the winners of each of the matchups and the percentages by which they won. So on the Wayne Embry side of the region, you had DeMar DeRozan beating Ben Uzo's triple-double with his 52-point game, 98% to 2%. You had Kawhi Leonard just destroying Marcus Camby when he stuffed the stat line against Philly back in 97. Uh, Kawhi, this was for his 45-point game against the Utah Jazz. He won the vote 80-20. to uh, DeMar DeRozan pulls an upset as the 12 over the 5-seed Vince Carter, 57% of the vote to 42 for Carter, uh, and that was the 47-point game for Vince Carter, the first of his two 40-plus point games against the Bucks in the calendar year 2000. DeRozan moves on, uh, and then Kyle Lowry takes down Amir Johnson, which... Uh, 
was a bit of a bittersweet thing to see. I love Kyle Lowry. That game against the Warriors was amazing, but uh, we see Amir Johnson bow out of the tournament early, which is never a good thing. Uh, so that's the top half of the Wayne Embry side. Then you got Danielle Marshall. You've got Pascal Siakam in the 6-11, and Siakam pulls off the upset win over the 12-3 game for, for Danielle Marshall. On the 3-14 matchup, Terrence Ross beats Chris Bosh in the Mo Pete game. 71 to 29. You've got Walt Williams losing to Kawhi Leonard for his game-winning exploits against the Portland Trailblazers, 86 to 13 or 14. And then you've got uh, Vince Carter destroying Damon Stoudemire to go 81 uh, to 19 in the voting uh, with his other 40-plus point game against the Bucks in 2000 over Damon's 34 and 11 against the Bulls in the game in which the Raptors won in the 1995-96 season. Um, so let's go through the, these uh, these second-round matchups then, Vivek. We've got in the top half of the Wayne Embry region, we've got DeMar DeRozan up against Kawhi Leonard. This is a, a fun one for sure. You've got the underlying tensions of everything that a DeMar-Kawhi matchup brings. You've got DeMar's best career game, 52 points. You've got Kawhi's career high, 45 against Utah. What are you thinking with this matchup? So I'm going with DeMar's 52 against the Bucks. I think, you know, outside of the line, um, I look at memorabil- uh, memorability. Memorability? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Um, and and punk ability. So, <laughs> face it, everyone loves it when you can punk bucks. And so when Demar dropped that 52, I think the the other moments that were in there too, like JV um, pulling off the whole wilt thing with the 52, and um, sort of the Bucks coming into that game thinking it was an opportunity to make a statement, and then for Demar to come out the way he did um, and dominate Chris Middleton. Obviously, this was the height of all the DeRozan Middleton chatter. And yeah, so extremely memorable. Obviously, Kawhi, a lot of his season was memorable. But um, I think because of what happened in the postseason, that that sort of comes to mind uh, a bit more. Um, So yeah, I'm going with DeMar on this one. Yeah, I am too. I think this Kawhi game, of all the games that he has in the running, and I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure Kawhi is going to make it past this round in any of his three matchups, but we'll get to that later. But, like, the DeMar game is just so individually memorable because it was his very best game. Like, it's so hard to decipher between Kawhi's games. Like, yes, this was his career high in points, but he also only had one assist, and, you know, maybe it wasn't just, it wasn't one of those sort of takeover dominating games as much as some of the other games we've seen from him. And I found it pretty difficult to find super compelling cases for any of Kawhi's matchups in this round, just because they're all kind of the same. It's just him being robotically awesome, which is great, but they don't really stand out as particularly memorable outside of maybe the one against the Warriors, which we'll get to. But yeah, I'm going DeMar in his career night over uh, Kawhi's career high scoring night here. And I think that should be a pretty easy win for DeMar in the voting, but I also predicted totally wrong in the voting. And I thought so many of these were going to be much closer, but they were not. There's only one really close matchup at all. Um, the eight, uh, what's the next one? It's the four twelve matchup. Now another DeMar entry is he upsets Vince Carter's 47 point game, the Olympic revenge game against the Bucks and DeRozan's 42, seven and eight against the Bulls in overtime moves on. And he will take on Kyle Lowry and his, 41-point game against the Golden State Warriors, the near defeat of the undefeated Warriors at that time. Um, so in the 4-12 matchup, to move on to the Elite Eight, Vivek, who do you have? I've got Kyle Lowry in this one. I think 
to me, the Lowry game is so much more memorable. Like if you were just to have a random conversation with someone and you're like, hey, remember that game where Kyle and Steph were going back at it and going back and forth at each other? And yeah, that immediately springs to mind. But when you talk about this game for DeMar, I don't think it has quite the same effect. Um, I vaguely sort of remember the game. Um, I don't remember it as sort of one of DeMar's marquee nights. So I think this one's fairly straightforward for Kyle for me. See, I thought I was going to think that. I thought Kyle would be with a bullet in this one for me. But I kind of think this DeMar game deserves a little bit of at least consideration for the win. I'm still not entirely sure. Let's see how I talk myself into it over the next minute and a half or so. But I think the DeMar game coming in sort of like such a high stakes moment when Kyle was hurt, which made that entire run for DeMar, that kind of represented that entire post all-star run for DeMar that season um, where he just was going over 40 all the time. He was carrying the Raptors offensively and, you know, everyone else was carrying him defensively. It was a very nice symbiotic relationship. Um, And I just, that, that Bulls game to me is super memorable. You got the Robin Lopez fight. You've got, um, you've got DeMar going just insane to pull off like a 15 point comeback in the fourth quarter. You've got Jimmy Butler, the, the Raptors menace, just like there in the side of the Raptors all night long and eventually overcome by, by DeMar. You've got just like a, a, a wonderful overtime from DeMar as well. I, the, the Lowry game is, better in terms of like efficiency and probably memorability but the fact that it it came in a win for the Raptors for DeMar that really does sort of sway me a little bit I'm gonna come back to this one I'm not entirely sure yet the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every Monday Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, Let's go to the next matchup, which will be the number two, Vince Carter, 48 points against the Bucks, against Kawhi Leonard's 38 and a game winner against the Portland Trailblazers in March 2019. Um, this is tough. This is the the Vince game that I'm surprised made it through. I thought Damon might stand a better chance of, of pulling off the win over Vince. He did not even come close. Um, I always figured Kawhi would beat the hell out of Walt Williams because uh, recency bias and all those things. But um, in this matchup, what are you uh, what are you feeling? I, I'm I'm a little unsure as to as to where to go with this one as well because. This is not my favorite Vince game. This is like a not terribly efficient game from the field. He gets to the line a ton, which is cool, but it's kind of a different Vince game. He's bullying. He's like you know, playing like the low post a whole bunch. He's got 10 boards in this game, five offensive. It's more of a brutish performance than we're used to from Vince Carter. And then on the other side, you have Kawhi with sort of a similar game as his Portland one or as his Utah one. It just happened to have a game winner. Um, where are you leaning with this one? So, yeah, I think this is definitely one of the tougher ones. Um, so, I, um, yeah, it's pretty much a coin flip for me. So, I'm going to actually go uh, with Kawhi's 38 and the game winner, I think. Um, just sort of the game winner being the sort of prelude to 
the bounce shot against Philly, that sort of patented dribble baseline and fadeaway shot. I think that's what people will remember. Um, so I think I'll go with that. I think it's really tight. I think Vince uh, has every case to be mad about this one uh, if he loses. But um, yeah, I think Kawhi, in terms of sort of, you know, I think this is when you were starting to sort of get a little antsy about resting on the back to backs and, you know, when's he going to play, when's he not going to play, uh, and all that kind of stuff. I think it, January was sort of. Uh, wait, this was March, right? It was March, yeah. March 1st. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this was coming off the All-Star break. And the, I think there was a stretch where he had played, like, two games out of ten nights and that all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, this was sort of like, hey, I'm gearing up for the postseason. And I can't remember how close the 82 practice uh, comment was to this game. Right around um, here. I yeah, think. exactly. Yeah. So, so, I think all of that sort of adds up to maybe Kawhi just sneaking this one. Yeah, I wish I could remember a single one of Kawhi's baskets in this game outside of the game winner, but they were all just like casual, you know, pull-up jumpers and regular Kawhi shit. Um, I, but at the same time, I don't like this is not a memorable Vince game in terms of like the context surrounding it. The way the one earlier in the year, which again I, I'm surprised lost its first round matchup to Demar, frankly, um, the the 47 points. Earlier in the year, had all the Olympic snub context baked in. By the time it's November 2000 for Vince's 48-pointer, it's, you know, the, it's, it's, the Olympics have already happened. Frederick Weiss has already been jumped over, and that's not part of the sort of conversation and the tension between him and Ray Allen. Um, God. I, I made a good bracket if I'm stuck on these decisions, I guess. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna take—I'll take Kawhi. Because of the foreshadowing elements, I don't feel good about it, but I'll take Kawhi in the 10, 10 over 2 upset. Uh, and then I missed this matchup. It should be the third matchup of the bracket, but we can say best for last anyway. Um, it's the 3 versus 11. It's Pascal Siakam and his uh, upset win over Daniel Marshall in the game in which he scored 44 points earlier this season against the New Orleans Pelicans. That was the night, of course, where Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry went down against Terrence Ross who uh, should win the bracket. I don't know what else to say. Uh, who do you got in the Ross versus Siaka matchup? Yeah, I've got Terrence Ross. Um, you're goddamn so- right. I don't care if you're pandering <laughs> to the host, but you're goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was just such a memorable night and so unexpected, right? That's what makes it uh, so memorable. Um, the three-point shooting just sort of... Once, once he gets in that zone, he's tough to stop. And... Um, in a way, I was I was still kind of happy that he didn't. Did he? This was he tied Vince's record, right? He did he tie Vince's Vince. record, which yeah, 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 forever haunts me. He missed a free throw with three seconds left that would have given exactly, him the record. Yeah, exactly. and I'll be honest with you, I was I was I was actually happy that he did did miss the free throw, um, because I kind of wanted Vince to keep the record at least. You know, I, if it was going to get broken, I wanted it to come in a, in a win. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think memorability-wise, this is way up there over Pascal's 44. I think, you know, I look at the Pelicans this season. Um, they haven't been good defensively at all. Uh, so the 44, you know, I, I feel like Pascal can get get that anytime against the, these Pelicans, um, at least pre-Zion. Um 
So yeah, I'm taking Terrence pretty easily in this one. Yeah, I, I'm with you for sure. I think that it's a very interesting sort of watching both of these games. They're they're pretty similar in how like easy they look for both guys. Like Ross is just so on, and his jumper is so silky, and he just like even when he was you know flying in for offensive boards and putbacks, and you know driving to the rim and getting free throws, like. All the stuff he did in that game just seemed so smooth and came so easy to him. And maybe that was in part because he was guarded often by Jamal Crawford, Jared Dudley, or J.J. Redick. But, uh, like, you can only destroy who's in front of you. And he, he certainly did that. And he just looked so calm and at ease doing it. And Siakam looked the same against the Pelicans. Like, that was an easy 44 he put up. Like, the you, you look back and you see sort of the very quick trigger three-point stroke he's developed, and that looked very... It's not Roth smooth, but it's pretty smooth nonetheless, especially for a big guy. And then he's scoring at all three levels. He's, you know, doing his around-the-rim thing. He's doing his, like, turnaround mid-range stuff. Like, it was just, like, a full, all-encompassing effort, and it was really beautiful to watch. But it's Ross. Come on. It's absolutely Ross. He, he should win the entire thing. It was one of the most electrifying nights ever. And no one even really cares that they lost that game, least of all me, uh, because of how damn cool it was. So um, I will continue my lobbying for Terrence Ross to win the tournament, and I will feel no shame about it. Uh, but I look forward to seeing the, the numbers for that matchup. All right. So let's move on now to the John Saunders region. Uh, let's run through the action from the first round of the tournament. Kyle Lowry and his 43-point career-high night against the Cavs in 2016 with the game winner uh, beat out P.J. Tucker's re-debut with the Raptors, 98-2%. Uh, Pascal Siakam, as the 9 seed, just completely wipes the floor with Mo Pete's 37 against the Celtics. 90% of the vote for Pascal. Uh, the 5-12 matchup, Charlie Villanueva does not get a fair shake, loses out to Kawhi's uh, game against the Warriors last season, the duel with KD, and uh, Charlie V only gets 28% of the vote, which bums me out pretty hard. The 4-13 matchup, we got Vince Carter's 51 on national TV, beating Jose Calderon's 22-19, uh, where he has tied the record for assists for the team, 78-22 uh, is the split in that vote. The 6-11 matchup, OG Ananobi overcomes Lou Williams by a score of 82-18 to in the vote. Uh, the 3-14, Kyle Lowry, with his comeback performance against the Mavs earlier this season, overcomes Andrea Bargnani and his audition for the Knicks when he scored 41 in MSG in 2010. 87-13, uh, the split there. The 7-10 matchup, Mike James doesn't even stand a chance, loses out to Serge Ibaka, 80-20 in the voting. Uh, Ibaka, of course, for his 34-10 on 15-17 of 17 shooting against the Lakers last season. And then closing it out, Keon Clark does not pull the upset that I think he probably should have over Chris Bosh. Bosh wins 65-35 for his 40 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists against the Magic in February 2008. Uh, Vivek, do you have any gripes with how any of these matchups went down? I'm pretty pissed off that uh, Keon Clark did not win. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was a special performance. That was uh, an extremely memorable performance. But, man, like, I feel like Bosch should have one appearance in here. Um, so I'm glad he got, got through. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not too mad. Um, but I definitely agree. Keon Clark as an individual performance, that, that, that had to be up there for sure. Um, I can see why that would maybe be considered an upset, but I'm not mad. Uh, yeah, no, no real gripes uh, in this round, to be honest with you. 
See, I was upset Mike James didn't beat Serge Ibaka, um, and that's not because Serge's game wasn't great. It just feels like Serge kind of does great things all the time now, and Mike James is such a weird oddity in Raptors history that I kind of wish he was in there. I'll, honestly, I'm a little disappointed in the overall voting patterns of the readers just because it's a lot of recency bias stuff it's a lot of just like the dudes who played the last five seasons um right and you know i kind of expected that a little bit for the likes of walt williams and marcus canby and even damon stoudemire but like keon clark feels recent enough that maybe he should have gotten some love mike james feels recent enough i I don't know. I, I I don't have a ton of issues, and like even the one with Charlie V, like I picked Charlie V over Kawhi against the Warriors, but I can't really be upset about that one because that's probably Kawhi's most memorable game. Um, right. So I don't know. It's uh, it's weird. I I'm not entirely sure if I'm happy or not with how the voting went, and I part of me wishes I hadn't made it a fan vote because of the recency bias thing. But hey, I made the bet. I'll live it. I'll I'll lay in it. Um, but Keon Clark, I thought. Like, that game is so much more memorable than any Chris Bosh game. I'm sorry. I love Chris Bosh. He was great, and he's Ooh. lovely. But, like, it's I don't remember any Chris Bosh games the way I remember that that Keon Clark game. Chris Bosh is a huge reason why I'm a Raptors fan. And That's fair. And me, too. He was I great. Know, so. so, yeah. Did I choose the right game to have him? I had I had two Bosch games in here. One uh, was when he had 37, 15, and 4, something like that, against the Wizards in the Mopete game. Um, this one is, like, actually his one of his very best games. It's Obviously, it's, like, the third highest game score uh, in the tournament right now. That's why it's a two-seed. But, um, I don't know, like, I had such a hard time finding a Bosch game to put in. Maybe as a Bosch stand on, on the other end of the call here, maybe you have a, an idea as to what game I should have included. Um, well, I don't remember his numbers from the game, but I, I remember, you know, when all this Bosch KG chatter was on, it's like, oh, Bosch could be the next KG and this and that. Their matchups were always something to look forward to. And he had that one game at home where he was incredible. I mean, I want to say it was like one of those 26, 12 nights for him. Um, and I remember right at the end, he had this up and under around KG that kind of sealed the game. I think that was the game where Matt Bonner got ejected too. Um, so I think that one really stands out to me. Uh, the, 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 there's the game where you hit the game winner over Chris Weber. Uh, and then there's the game where you hit the game winner in the St. Patrick's Day uniform <laughs> over uh, Al Horford. So those, those are the other two I think of. Um the Chris Weber one is still funny to me because I remember them talking to Allen Iverson after the game and, you know, they were sort of like, hey, were you surprised that Bosch hit that so shot? And he was just like, no, man, we've hit, seen him hit that shot before. We've got to defend it. There's <laughs> 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 you know, a little bit of a, a dig at Chris Weber there, but, um, yeah, I think we all remember that Chris Weber was on his last legs at that point um, and couldn't really help the Sixers much which probably added to AI's frustration. But yeah, I think uh, those are the ones that come to mind. I probably have to do some digging on basketball reference in terms of actual, um, you know, flashy box score numbers. Um, but yeah, those are probably the three big ones that come up off the top of my head. Yeah, I still maintain. I remember Keon Clark more. <laughs> <laughs> as, as eloquently as you've argued for your boy CB4. Um 
Yeah, I mean, he probably deserves to be in the Elite Eight in some capacity. I just, I, or at least in the Sweet Sixteen. But I just, I, I don't know. I, I really, really enjoyed that Keon Clark game, and like, it was such a statistical anomaly as we went through the numbers last time out. Like, only like fifteen guys have done it. It's only happened twice since two thousand one with Javale and Hassan Whiteside doing it. Um, it's twelve blocks is insane, and it just it, yeah. pop, it, it pops the eyes. But whatever, it's fine. I'm not mad at all. Uh, <laughs> let's carry on <laughs> with the matchups here in the Wayne Embry region. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We've got uh, Kyle Lowry, now the number one seed, the 43-point game against the Cavs, taking on uh, Pascal Siakam at his 44 against the Wizards last season with Kawhi resting. To me, this is the most lopsided matchup of the second round. This is Kyle by a mile, right? Um. Yeah, definitely. I think... I, I think Siakam just remembering that game is interesting because this is when it's like, oh, did he get snubbed for an all-star appearance? And, uh, you know, you're sort of looking at Bradley Beal on the other end and him sort of going toe-to-toe with him. Uh, so it was fun in that sense. But in, in terms of, uh, you know, when you look at the whole package, I think it's got to be Lowry for sure. Everyone remembers uh, him sort of sidestepping, na- nailing that uh shot to win the game and yeah it was just such a memorable game and obviously at that point any win over the Cavs was memorable so uh yeah for sure I'll, I'll go with Lowry in this one yeah uh, I think that's pretty easy Lowry to me is like my betting favorite uh to come out of this uh this region but uh people if people are betting on this there's probably something wrong with people uh <laughs> let's uh <laughs> Let's go on to the 12-4 matchup as Kawhi pulls the upset over Charlie Villanueva against uh, for his game against the Golden State Warriors. And then the number four seed is Vince Carter, who stomped Jose Calderon. Vince Carter, uh, the 51-point game on national TV against the Suns. This is like a weird sort of unlucky break of the draw because it's the second yeah. Kawhi-Vince matchup we've seen. And I think these are both superior games to the ones in the other matchup for each player. Like, I think the Vince 51 is better than his 48. I think uh, Kawhi's game against the Warriors is better than his Blazers game. But uh, one of them's going home. And I don't relish sending either one home. Where are you leaning right now? Yeah, this is like this is semifinal final worthy, right? These might be the two best national TV performances by any Raptors. Yeah. 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 Um Yeah, this one's so so tough. I mean, you look at that matchup with the Warriors and you know, the Raptors are like, okay, this is, you know, we're all in for the season and so both those matchups against the Warriors were kind of an opportunity to make a statement. Katie's in this one. Uh, Kawhi's playing and you think about the way that game ended with KD hitting the fadeaway to tie I mean just that run he went on at the end to get it to a tie game because it looked like the Raptors were kind of in control and then for the overtime Kawhi uh, to sort of seal the deal um, oh man and then Vince Vince is 51 like uh <sighs> I'm gonna go with Vince. I'm gonna go with Vince. Me too. Um, just, just 
I don't know, maybe, maybe you know, uh, for old time's sake, whatever it may be, I think that 51 on national TV, I think that's something that everyone remembers. Um, and, you know, the, you remember at the end of the game, too, everyone in the building sort of recognized that something special had happened. I mean, I, it, for me, obviously, it's not something that I saw live. Um, but it's something that's been shown so many times on NBA TV. Uh, and you can catch it on YouTube, wherever. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think the Vince game st- stands out to me just a little bit more. Yeah, part of me going Vince here is bracket balance. I think it would be silly to not have at least one Vince Carter in the final eight. <laughs> and I think also, like, his game was better. As much as Kawhi was incredible against the Warriors, like, there, I guess there's a little bit of a caveat in that game because there was no Steph. But again, KD was so absurd that maybe there's not a caveat at all. I'm not sure how to really reconcile all that. Um, and then you've just got, like, th- th- that game was more about, like, the KD versus Kawhi thing. And, like, KD also shone very brightly. Whereas that Vince game was entirely about the Raptors. This was the Raptors' appearance on the national stage. This was putting basketball or Toronto on the basketball map. This was Vince becoming the antagonist and like Mike. This was, you know, like if I said in the piece for Raptors.com, this game is like the Carter effect condensed into 48 minutes. And I think that matters a lot. Like I was thinking about how how absurd it is, like considering, like looking at it through the lens of, you know, the, the state's not loving much from Toronto and kind of overlooking the Raptors and all that stuff. The fact that Vince Carter was, like, perennially the biggest vote-getter in all-star voting is, like, kind of insane, considering he played in Toronto. Like, when you look back at sort of the, the history of Toronto not being viewed as, like, legit by by America, like, that that's absurd. And this game, which was, I believe, like, a week after, or, like, two weeks after the dunk contest and was in the stretch where he was putting up 47 on the Bucks the, the month prior and was just sort of, like, really taking over the league... I really think that this game, like, it has to move on here. It has to be in the, in the final eight. It would be wrong if it was not. Um, so I'm going Vince here. And I think it should be pretty convincing, although I'm worried about the recency bias thing with, with Kawhi a little bit. Uh, and I, I'm not totally trusting the voter base right now to get this one right. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to the next matchup. OG Ananobi, the most recent uh, entry into the tournament, his... Uh, 32-7-7 and against the Denver Nuggets, which happened only three weeks ago, which is crazy. Uh, he's the number six seed, taking on the upset, pulling number 14 seed, the lowest remaining seed in the tournament. Kyle Lowry, his 32-8-10 against the Dallas Mavericks earlier this season. I This is a tough one. I think I know where I'm leaning, but what are you thinking, OG uh, Kyle Lowry, both from this season? Honestly, it's pretty easy for me. It's got to be Kyle. Mm-hmm. I mean... That is when you even, when you think about the night that he's going to have his jersey go up in the Raptors, this game is going to be up there. I mean, to lead the team the way he did, uh, 30-point comeback, you're never going to see that again um, unless he decides to do it again. Uh, And, yeah, the way he took over in that fourth, obviously it was the team defense itself was incredible with the full-court press, but... Uh, the shots he made and the he, the Lowry cheers uh, in in that fourth quarter, I think it's Lowry kind of by landslide to me. 
Yeah, I think Larry wins this as well. Um, it's kind of funny that he's a 14 seed with this just because of the game score aspect of things. Like, And also I'm surprised his game score was so low uh, for this game, really, just considering what he did. But um, yeah, very uh, stealth 14 seed. I-, I think he does make it to the Elite Eight. I think he should. That OG game, though, definitely deserves to be in the running here because, and I'm sure there will be factions of Raptors Internet, (coughs) Emma Brown, uh, voting to their heart's content to get OG into the second round. But I kind of think, like, this game kind of carries a lot of sort of the Terrence Ross aspects of it, right? Like, the very surprising, and obviously Ross's gifts were much more offensive than... um, than OGs are, which obviously his defense in that game was what really stood out in addition to his 32 points. But it was sort of like a, you know, a young guy, you know, a young wing talent kind of flashing exactly what their peak could be. And it came in a loss against a very good Western Conference team. And there's some parallels there for sure. And I don't relish, uh, considering my love for Terrence Ross, I don't relish saying OG's uh, tournament run is over here, but I do think Lowry's game is uh, should be moving on here. So I'm going to take Lowry's game. And with that, I'm going to go back to the DeMar-Kyle matchup from the uh, the first the first side of the bracket, the Wayne Embry side of the bracket. I'm going to put DeRozan through. I think DeRozan deserves to be there somewhere. Obviously, he's got his 52-pointer that's also going to be, and he's going to be up against himself in the Elite Eight if I do this. But I think there there should be that 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 Chicago game to me. Maybe it's just because I wrote a thing off of it that I liked a lot, and maybe it's just more memorable for me than other people. But uh, I think DeRozan should should move through there, and we get some roster or some some bracket balance if we have two Demars and two Kyles in the next round. So I'm putting Kyle through. And, uh, yeah, sorry, OG, that it's not, it's just bad luck of the draw, I think, probably, um, that stops his tournament run. And then, uh, the final matchup of today, Serge Bach is 34 and 10 against the Lakers last season against Chris Bosch is 45 and five. I have a sense of where you'll go here, but what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, I think you have my sense. I'm, I'm going with Bosch here, I think. Um, you know, this is probably when everyone was getting excited about the Bosch uh, Dwight matchup the NBA was hyping up that Superman thing and uh, Chris Bosch was sort of quietly going about his business um, yeah I think uh, the one thing I'll say about Surge is the line is so impressive but I feel like in when you think back to the game itself I feel like you remember Kyle closing it out late and you remember uh, Siakam uh, throwing down down that crazy dunk and LeBron sort of looking at like what is going on, uh, <laughs> and so I feel like the things I remember from that game have so much to do with the other guys than Serge. Um, I mean that 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 first quarter when that's when the Raptors really pummeled them right uh, the Lakers, um, and that was just Kyle just picking them apart in the pick and roll like they couldn't they couldn't defend the pick and roll at all. It was just every single time, it was like, okay, Serge is just going to uh, rim run and he's going to get the ball and he's going to dunk it. And it was just literally the worst interior defense I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I think Bosch um, doing what he did, going up against uh, whether he was matched up with Dwight, whether he was matched up with Hito, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take Bosch in this one. But I could see recency bias definitely shifting this one. Yeah, I think this Ibaka game, it, I didn't pick it to win its first round matchup just because I don't think it is terribly memorable for Ibaka, similar reasons that you say. I think like 
like Lowry's incredible in that game. The sort of like Ibaka just sort of seemed like the means to the end. Like basically, like okay, he's willing to shoot. We'll give him the ball. It didn't feel like he created much of that stuff, which he never really does. It's not really Ibaka's bag. Um, but he was just the guy who was filling in the usage for Kawhi at that point before Pascal had really sort of discovered what he was. Um, and so. Yeah, it is sort of just like a, a nondescript 34 and 10 on 15 of 17, if such thing is possible. <laughs> like, I think if we had swapped this game with, say, a Mears game, where he went 32 and 10, and I think it was 15 of 17 also, or something absurd like that, I think maybe that one would have stood a better chance of making it through to the Elite Eight here, just because it came in the Rudy Gay trade day game, and it was sort of a pivot point for the franchise, and it was a Mears' highest moment for the team. But because this is sort of a nondescript Ibaka game against what was not a very good Lakers team, I think I'm going Bosch here as well. Although Bosch, I should note, as a two seed, had only the third, uh, had the third smallest margin of victory in the first round. So he seems like a bit of a teetery number two seed, kind of like a Georgetown or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and so definitely worth watching uh, how this matchup goes with Ibaka. And with that, we get to the end here, and I'm just looking back, and I think I'm kind of just, like, whittled down to the stars now, plus Terrence Ross. So I I should rephrase. I'm just whittled down to the stars now. Um, <laughs> there I have two Lowry, two DeMar, a Kawhi, a Vince, uh, a Bosch, and a Terrence Ross moving on. So, um I don't know. I feel weird not having some of the sort of interesting, fun, individual one-off guys, but right. it does feel a little bit more fitting, I suppose, that all the stars are there, and now it gets to be a battle of the best of the best in the Elite Eight, hopefully, if, if the voting goes correctly. Yeah. Um, man, uh, I'm actually... I actually put that Bosch game on my phone right now. Uh-huh. People need to go back and watch how good CB was, man. He was so good, man. He was really yeah. good. I mean, the moves he had in the post, the mid-range. I mean, that mid-range shot was pure. It was. That dude did not miss. Um, yeah, it's part of what made Jose look so good. Uh, Jose was good. Jose was good. But to have a guy that could just pick and pop like that at, at that time. Because um, let's face it, Bosch was... Uh, like, KG was the first guy that was sort of ahead of the game in terms of being able to do all the things that he could do running the floor, defend multiple positions, all that. And Bosch was like the second coming of that. And he took it to another level once he went to Miami. But, man, he was a beast when he was here. It just sucks that we couldn't put a better team around him. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, him and Ibaka play very similar styles. Obviously, Bosch's usage was higher. Um, and he did more and had a bit more in the way of, like, you know, creation and off-the-bounce shoes and stuff like that. But... Like, the way that they would just sort of, you know, hang out at 18 feet and just, like, bury shots over and over again in the pick and pop, like, very similar styles. And it's interesting how Ibaka's sort of viewed as just, like, kind of the security blanket play that they can run. He's not what they're running offense for most of the time, but it's a very easy play they can they can opt for if things get dire. Whereas, like, Bosch, that was their offense, right? It was just like, all right. And it wasn't even, like, pick and pop all that all the time either. It was just like, all right, he's going to, you know, get the ball face up and just sort of isolate and you know it, it was very like it's weird how the ba- how basketball's changed as, as much as it has like it, it's kind of told through that right how that skill set is just like totally applied differently nowadays yeah. than it was back in the day but um yeah Bosch was really good man I just I, I I don't like get moved by most of his games that's that's the thing I get moved by Keon Clark swatting 12 shots I don't get moved by Chris Bosch you know no, I, methodically I, 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 scoring 40 points 
I, I, I can hear the argument for Keon Clark's 12 block night. I hear that for sure. Um, and honestly, this probably has nothing to do with the bracket itself. I'm just this season, I've seen a lot of Bosch slander on the timeline, and I feel like <laughs> it's just coming from maybe people that sort of really got into the Raptors in the We the North era. And yeah. Forget that, you know, as much as the eras before it sucked, we had some really, really good players. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't want to slander Bosch at all. It's just, uh, you know, Keon. I'm not, I'm not happy about the Keon thing, but we can leave it there. I don't need to complain about this anymore. Uh, we've gone through the bracket. Please make sure to go and vote at Raptors.com before, the, I think, Sunday at noon is when voting closes. So get in there. The Elite Eight will be up on Thursday in line with the regular tournament schedule to help fill your need for bracketized sports. Uh, Vivek, do you have anything you would like to promote right now? Um, yeah, I've got some stuff coming out for uh, Complex. Um, one of them that should be out soon uh, is uh, what sort of Toronto sports fans are doing without sports and uh, how we're all sort of passing the time. And yeah, there's some other stuff that's, you know, Raptors related that'll be coming out in the next week or so. So you can find that at Complex Canada. Um, besides that, you can follow me on Twitter at VivekMJacob. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast wherever it is you get your podcasts. Again, please go read the bracket post at Raptors.com. Don't just do the voting. Read the the words I wrote to go with each matchup because they're fun and uh, I they take a lot of time. So it would much uh, very, be very much appreciated if you also read the content instead of just voting. Um, and I gave the cases for and against all these guys too. So um, go do that. Uh, we'll be back again next week. We'll have lots of fun stuff. I think there's going to be a special episode. We recorded an episode of Round Ball Rock with uh, Katie came with me to join to chat with uh, Joey Devine and Sean Keen from Round Ball Rock, and we are going to post that episode at some point. Um, Joey's just working on editing, which uh, yeah, we'll get that in a sec. Hopefully soon, we can get it up either Saturday, Sunday, Monday, something like that. So keep an eye out there. Talk a lot about quarantine on that one and the big three, which uh, is doing some crazy shit apparently. Um, that's gonna do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope everyone's staying safe out there. Socially distance yourself. Then um, do all the stuff you need to do to stay safe. And we will talk to you again next time with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.